Welcome to Flourish, where we explore how to nurture, coach, and inspire the children we love at any age to let their genius thrive. I'm your host, Diane Planadin, and a very proud parent of a superstar named Nicholas. In last week's episode, I quoted Einstein, and it referenced a poetry of logical ideas. As it's the first week of December, my ideas are always headed towards sugar plums and gingerbread. Here we go with the baking again. Gingerbread, or ginger specifically, has been around for centuries, even before the Romans brought it from the Far East. It has been a wonderful, pungent spice in our lives. For me, and my German heritage, I was first introduced to gingerbread in the form of a heart. In Germany, since about the 13th century, they have been baking gingerbread hearts with little terms of endearment on them. And, well, I can hardly wait until Oktoberfest, and if you will be tuning in on YouTube, you'll actually get to see these hearts that me and my family make every year. But which came first? The gingerbread house or the story? Should we thank the Brothers Grimm for bringing it to life in 1812 in their fable of Hansel and Gretel? Or, according to some historians, the sweet decorated house already existed, of which they based their story upon. I'd like to think it came to life in this story, but I'm not a food historian, so there you go. The story does have many messages for me in it, and it resonates how important it is to be not only positive in life, but patient. Some people read the story and think, ah, that's a horror story. Little kids shouldn't read it. But I'm pretty sure the Brothers Grimm didn't intend to scare children. They intended to spread a message and inspire parents to raise their children well. Hansel and Gretel left a trail in the woods so that they could find their way back when their evil stepmother tried to get rid of them. That was pretty genius. Hansel and Gretel, they, they knew their father loved them and their instincts would serve them well in this story. I'm not going to ruin the story for you unless you, maybe you haven't heard of it or maybe you haven't read it in a long time, but let's just say that Hansel and Gretel had a superpower that no one could take away from them. They had willpower, and they had trust in their father. They had been taught well before the evil stepmother ever came along that you take care of your family in any situation. And for them, it really came out in their strengths. And H.G. Wells says it best. Strength is the outcome of need. Hansel and Gretel were strong, and they laid a trail to follow, to return home. And they did it more than once. And when that didn't work, 
it came up with the plan C. But usually laying a trail to follow is a very strong path. Can you think of something that you can do that will lay a trail for your children, will carry your wisdom through life, will develop them into fine young people with integrity and ethics and really good thoughts. Yes, thoughts. How can you lead by example? Build trust. Build trust with your child. That's oh so important because they need to look to us as parents for words of wisdom, words of encouragement, and, and to be empathetic to their needs. When Hansel and Gretel's father was weak, not only by famine, but his emotions, he was drained. He was a lonely woodworker with a stepwife for his children. That wasn't probably the best choice, but when their father was weak, Hansel and Gretel were strong. His children knew what to do. This brings me back to being very deliberate on minding your words, especially around your children. Think hard, very hard as an adult, of what not to say. You heard me right, what not to say to your children. And it's, it's really, that's really what I wanted you to hear. Because once your child is entering their teenage years, there will be a lot of unwanted advice out there. There will be a lot of outside influences that will try and draw them into their witch's lair, to an evil web, into a house that may be made of gingerbread and candy. And your child might be starving, starving for attention starving for help, or maybe even some food. Maybe they're tempted to try something new, but your little voice of reason and guidance will be at the back of their minds and it will make them strong, very strong individuals. So instead of succumbing to the sugary sweets and delights only to be destroyed, maybe not physically, maybe mentally, maybe emotionally. Your, your words of wisdom, your shared knowledge, that, that will guide them down the path. Even if they're already in the witch's lair, they will figure out a way to escape. The fundamentals will always be tried and true. Your child doesn't have to tell you everything to know what's going on with them. Remember, you have intuition, you have instincts, you have spider senses and trust your gut instinct. You do. There's about a hundred million nerve cells in your stomach that will cause a physical reaction and your body will tell you when something's wrong. So listen to it strongly. It might be minor, but it may be major. That gut feeling you're feeling, well, it's not a lingering piece of chocolate cake. And it's not that hot sauce you put on your pizza last night. 
it's telling you something and it's a message that's loud and clear. And it could be telling you that your child is experiencing an emotion and they don't know how to process it. They might be feeling uncomfortable. They may not want to discuss it with you. And when that happens, guess who they're discussing it with? Their friends. And if those friends are not a positive influence on your child's life, you might want to have to uh, interject there a little bit and just tell your child that you're there for them. It's okay. You're a patient. You're a parent. And your job is just to reassure them that you're there for them. And you want to spend time with them. And you're not going to judge them. And you may not even say anything. But you definitely want to hear them. Definitely. So, skip working late one night. Skip going to the movies and leaving your children behind. Skip going to a party or a hockey game or, or whatever it is that you do. And spend that time with your child, regardless of their age. Pop some popcorn and, and watch a funny movie. Just something to giggle at. Something mindless. Something that you can just hunker down and enjoy as a family. Have a little bowl of ice cream. Sugar is good for your brain. It takes up about 20 to 30% of your glucose. So it's not a bad thing to have now and then. So maybe, just maybe, it's more important to just stop and take time. Give your child some attention and hear their woes. Hear their worries. Hear their cries. The key word here is hear. To hear them. To listen to them. Because people want to be heard. Even tiny humans want to be heard. So don't feel you need to talk. Don't feel you need to solve their problems. Don't feel that it's the end of the world because it's not. Time heals all wounds. That's a, a saying I, I wish I knew the origin of, but it is so true. And just listen and digest to what they've told you. Just listen. Hugs, kisses, tissues, and just decompress. Let them rest as they grow. Tuck them in with a story. Maybe not Hansel and Gretel if it's late at night and they're young, but story time is just so wonderful. I love story time. And watch them relax as they drift off to sleep. They might be just exhausted or feeling stressed and overwhelmed at social pressures that surround us. Or maybe they're worried about what you think, but they're afraid to tell you. So just put their mind at ease. It's a nice thing. We are so overwhelmed with all the social pressures surrounding us these days. Academic pressures, activities. Everybody's plugged in 24-7. And no one is being a child anymore. So get out there and play. Which is probably the best parenting advice my father ever gave me. My parents were visiting us one Easter in Arizona, 
and it was Easter holidays and school ends in May in Arizona because it's hot enough to fry an egg on the sidewalk. Just as Nicholas, he did it. <laughs> he tried it one day and it took a little time, but that egg looked pretty cooked. But my father could see, he could see that I was running around with all this end of school pressure. End of school, get those projects done. End of school, get the piano recital done. End of school, end of school, this, that, and the other thing. And that pressure was reflecting back onto Nicholas. And he was feeling the pressure. And because I was not a bystander in my own life, I didn't see what was actually happening. My dad simply said to me, you should just let him be a child for a change. Wow, that was a powerful message. <laughs> and it resonated with me. And I remember that day like it happened yesterday because I didn't realize, even though Nicholas wasn't inundated with activities, he had school, he had piano, and he would have one other activity, you know, if he wanted to do swimming or baseball or, or what have you. But he wasn't overloaded on the schedule. So I didn't really see it. I didn't really see it that there was actually pressure without even a busy schedule. I guess what I'm saying is I thought I was letting him be a child. I thought he wasn't overwhelmed. But from an observer standpoint, or specifically my father, all work and no play was no fun. I should just let him be a child. So thanks, Dad. Because that message worked, and it actually worked not only for Nicholas to ease the phantom pressure I was constantly placing on him, but it worked for me too. And I made up my mind right then and there that downtime wasn't just for vacation time. It wasn't just for weekends and it wasn't just when you had a bad day and you just needed to decompress yourself as an adult. We used that time instead to play, to chat, to dream, discuss, have dinner, bake a gingerbread house, and not worry so much about deadlines. Be cognizant of deadlines and be disciplined of deadlines, but that deadline will come and you will reach your goal. But I guess he just said, don't stress about it because it will happen because you have the discipline and you have the, the will for him and the positive feedback for him. So thanks dad. Even if your child's older and they no longer want to go bug collecting with you, doesn't mean they want to quit exploring or just relaxing as they process the day's event. It doesn't mean they don't want to come over for dinner if they're no longer living at home or maybe have you come over and help them out with a project around the house because being a child doesn't end when you leave home, but that's an entire other episode. 
Right now I'm talking about the, the connections with a younger child and there's so many blockers to everyone's personal connections. It's, it's almost overwhelming. Everything in an instant, constant noise, the next shiny object, the next big thing, or FOMO, F-O-M-O, the fear of missing out. Wow, really? Is that a thing? What are you missing? What are you fearful for? Yes, I learned something new again. I did not realize people actually have this fear. It was a mystery to me. Like, what are you missing? Is there a party you weren't invited to? Is there an event? Is there, you know, a video game you must have and you're going to miss out if you don't play it? I don't know. I don't know. But apparently this social acronym has, um, it gets everyone fearful that they're missing something. And really, what is social media? Which... Honestly, I have to get better at it because I do understand that that is how people communicate now, but sometimes people communicate, "Mm, look what I'm doing and you're not, and there's a nicer way of of handling that, and I, I think that's actually another topic that would be of interest to discuss, especially with your children. So let's mute life, let's quit running around like the dog chasing its tail, and just relax. Build a foundation together as a family, but also as a community, and and be gracious. Which brings me back to the gingerbread house and how it symbolizes building something strong, building a foundation, and then building up on that foundation by building walls. And you can build the walls of your gingerbread house in a slab or brick by brick, but you need strong glue to hold it together. And that's in the form of royal icing. And it really just, it gives you such a sense of accomplishment once you finish it. And you might think building that first, you know, four walls on the solid foundation is difficult. But once you've accomplished that, wow. That is such a great feeling. And no matter, there goes my dog, no matter where you live in the world, (laughs) your abode can take many different shapes. And whether it's true or in your imagination, whether it's a farmhouse or a penthouse, really, you use your imagination and, and create whatever you want. If you can think it, you can bake it. And if you can't bake it well, you can also buy a kit at the grocery store, which is is fun. It is fun. So uh, get creative in your decorating then. But I've made many styles over the years. Usually what, usually what, what it's based on what inspires me the most. And I have to say one of my favorites is always the fairy tale castle. All those great fairy tales have heroines with a a castle. So that's kind of fun. Um, I can't build something like Schweinstein in Bavaria. That was uh, King Ludwig II's vision. And uh, 
it was also Walt Disney's. He actually based, this is a little sidebar, he based the castle in Sleeping Beauty after, after that Bavarian castle. So it's, it's kind of neat, the, the architecture. And I actually am going to have to talk to you about architecture and the history of that and how important that is also for your child. But now I'm, I'm going off a complete tangent. I'm here to talk Hansel and Gretel and gingerbread. When I'm building a gingerbread house, Nicholas and I worked well together, holding walls together until the icing stuck. But the other similarity gingerbread has in building is Lego. I think of Lego when I think of building something, with creating something, with connecting the blocks properly, connecting the style so that the roof stays on and doesn't come crumbling down. So imagine my surprise when I thought, you know, maybe I should mention Lego. And I started Googling Lego and gingerbread. And then I discovered Lego has a gingerbread house to make. How cool is that? Maybe you're not into baking, but you want to do something with your child. Try out Lego's gingerbread house. I, I've never made it because I literally found out about it today. Today is the first day I discovered that they had uh, such a creation. So I thought that was kind of neat. And they have a lot in common, gingerbread and Lego. Both have unlimited construction potential. And, well, that's a wonderful way to learn. Learn by doing. Hands-on work, get creative, lateral thinking, teaches kids and adults. We're thinking three-dimensionally now and we really can make any, anything we want, honestly. It doesn't even have to be a house. It could be anything. And when you're working together with your child, you can, you can problem solve, which I'm going to say happened a lot. Sometimes when Nicholas and I were not patient enough with the gingerbread house and part of it would start to go sideways. <laughs> so you have to be creative in that way. And, um, and so, so Lego and gingerbread building blocks, foundations, I just thought it was interesting how much gingerbread had in common with Lego. And it can be as simple or as complicated as your imagination desires. It takes patience and a positive attitude, just like Hansel and Gretel. I will uh, include some tips and tricks in my gingerbread concoctions on the flourish.mom website as well for, uh, for creating and different materials I've used over the years. But now when I think shredded coconut, I think snow. When I think sugar cones, I think turrets on the castle. And let's not forget those Rice Krispie treats that can be shaped into trees or snowmen in the yard. Thank you for spending your precious time with me today. I really appreciate it. And thank you too for your feedback. I've had a special request from a listener who has been struggling with bullying. 
and as a parent, they are feeling a bit lost. With the holidays upon us, I think it's important to discuss mental health and the fear of missing out. And that can even segue into isolation, anger, loneliness. So thank you. I will speak to that next week. I hope you enjoyed today's show and will perhaps think about Hansel and Gretel's journey, about their positive message of belief and determination, because that's what I got out of the story. They believed in a future and knew in their heart of hearts that their evil stepmother had bewitched their father and their father really did love them. Belief an enduring core value which shows a strong commitment, a commitment to their family. They were determined to survive and did so in a deliberative way. They took an unexpected, unpredictable situation and had the patience that careful decision-making requires, not to mention their good judgment. We are all born with a gift we are all born with purpose. Life's journey is to hone and develop that gift as purpose changes within. I'll leave you with one final thought from Gandhi, which I thought was apropos for this episode. Keep your thoughts positive because your thoughts become your words. Keep your words positive because your words become your behavior. Keep your behavior positive because your behavior becomes your habits. Keep your habits positive because your habits become your values. Keep your values positive because your values become your destiny. And we are all destined for great things. We can all achieve what we want and deserve in life. Live well, my friends. Until next week.